Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. And before we get to talking about a good a the wrath of God, we will be giving you some recommendations, and both of our recommendations are Werner Herzog movies. Um, Ian, I'm going to go first. Do it. Okay, great. Um, so I had not seen I've not seen any Herzog before both of these two films that so we're gonna now, talk about. So now you've seen two. Now Herzog. I've seen two. I'm too closer to seeing all of them. I don't know how many there are. Um, there are many. Great. <laughs> so um I but one that's been on my radar for a long time um is the documentary feature Grizzly Man, um, which I picked up at a used DVD sale for 50 cents. And I was like, hey, that's pretty cheap. I'll take that. And, um, but it sat on the shelf for a while and I don't, again, my, my Herzog knowledge is limited, but between, but between what I know about Fitzcarraldo and what I now know from Aguirre and watching Grizzly Man, he really does have a thing with, um, like individuals really trying to assert themselves and come and overcome odds that in a way they've almost given themselves which yeah it's not even really man versus nature yeah um, but it 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 seems like it wants to lend itself that way but the issue is is that they a lot of the times in his films these characters have created these problems yeah themselves and so 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 anyway grizzly man is about this man this real life guy um timothy treadwell who would go up into the the uh the forests in alaska and live with bears that's what he did um he broke a lot of rules so he could stay in certain areas for longer amounts of time. And the footage of him with the bears is really remarkable. I mean, he's getting really close to bears, touching them on the nose at times. Um, it's, it's kind of incredible. Um, and these are grizzly bears. These are grizzly right? bears. Yes. Um, now you find out a lot about him and his, his past and, and who he was. And this is not who he was in the, in the, the, the documentary that essentially he was filming, the footage that he took is not who he was growing up. Um, he's got an interesting past, but ultimately it is a, it's a grizzly bear that kills him. And uh, the woman that was with him, which he never really, he never took anybody with him. Um, the last year that he died, there was a woman with him. Uh, she unfortunately also passed away as well. Um, and uh, it's passed away. IE eaten. Yes. Yes. Okay. She was eaten. But it's really the way they set it up, though, too, is it's you know, you meet some of the people who knew him and who obviously feel really bad about it. You meet some of the people who thought that he was a fake. You meet some of the people who um, from like from the the area in Alaska where that happened and, and thought that he was um, there was um, there's a tribe up there. I, I, I'm, I don't I'm not going to try to guess, but there's a tribe up there who really see the grizzly as sacred and thought what he was doing was unnatural and um, really against their traditions and their, their, their way of, of living and their kind of way with, with the bear. Um, it, it's hard to say, it, I mean, it's hard to explain what it is. It's, it's just sort of living with this information of who he was and what he shot. Um, he seems like he had the best in, intent at what he was doing. Um, I wouldn't say that he was not all there. So part of it too is that he used to, he was an alcoholic. He had some substance abuse uh, abuse issues, and having known people who have had similar issues, what gets them out of it 
doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It becomes sort of what their what their life is about. So without naming names, there's somebody I know who, who used to be a drink a lot, and then he became very much um, into working out, and now he's at the gym a lot. That's that's what keeps him away from it. And for Timothy Treadwell, it was the Bears. And there's 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 again he talks to the camera a lot. He's trying to be a showman. He's trying to basically this is like a nature documentary for him. But then there are also times where he's just sort of video diarying, you know. And he kind of admits that you know he didn't know where he was going until he he got this. And it's this really interesting, fascinating view into a person's life. It's not fast moving. It's not like blow your mind, but it it really is an, an interesting look in an at an interesting person. Um, and, and it's, I'm not just recommending it cause it's a Herzog. Had I, had I watched it and I didn't like it, I would have just recommended something random, but I, I did, I did like it in a way, I, I way a few episodes back now, but when I kind of briefly talked about Honeyland, I like when people just sort of talk about what they know. Um, and I didn't know any of this. I didn't know about this guy and I found it really interesting. So grizzly man, check it out. Because I think it's I think it's worth watching. Yeah, it's been on my radar forever, and for whatever reason, didn't come. It's also kind of hard to find. It's not on a streaming platform that I'm aware not of. That I'm, and that's like, I I again I can't reissued believe on Blu-ray. Yeah, I found it used a used DVD. Yeah. So I was like, I, well, sure. I mean, one of my and that's you can find like a used copy of Fast and the Furious or Mission Impossible anywhere, but like to find a, a used copy of Grizzly Man, I was like, that's that's so that's very niche. I'm gonna keep that. Yeah. yeah. So, Ian, um, I believe you have a documentary as well. I do, and I have another Herzog documentary, a really personal one, probably the most personal documentary I think he's ever made, and it's going to tie directly into uh, Aguirre, so I'm not going to talk too long about it, but because uh, a lot of it is, is going to be anecdotal that we can talk about the making of Aguirre, but it is uh, his 1999 documentary, My Best Fiend, all about his relationship with Klaus Kinski, yep. who he collaborated on uh, five films with, Aguirre being the first, um, and then uh, their remake of Nosferatu, Wojciech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. Wojciech. Wojciech. No, 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 it's Wojciech. It is Wojciech. I didn't realize that. W-O-Y-Z-C-E-K. Oh, is, the, is the W pronounced as a V? It's a Voj- it's, it's a, based off a play. It's a Buchner, Georg oh. Buchner play. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so they made that, and there's lots of footage of them making that. It's oh, great. fuck me. I didn't realize. that. Yeah, that's them. No, no, no. I've never, I didn't realize there was a film version of Wojciech, oh, okay. let alone one that was directed by Herzog starring Klaus Kinski yeah, as yeah. Wojciech. Okay. It's, it's, right, supposedly, it's more of a subdued performance from Kinski. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, Fitzgeraldo, which is, is probably the most famous of the five, and uh, the final film they made together in 87, Cobra Verde. Uh, which revisits some some issues from Aguirre, and it's all about uh, slaves and things like that. But um, so it it just starts off very simply. He's uh, he has some footage of Kinski at uh, these kind of poetry reading, spoken word Jesus tours, as he calls them. <laughs> uh, Kinski, as we'll discuss over the course of of the episode, was an egomaniac who was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. Um, and so it opens with him ranting and raving, and the crowds would go just to see how fucking nuts he would get. 
uh, not for the quality of the material. And then it cuts to later when Herzog was a young man when he was 13. Kinski, who's a, a few years older than, than him, came to live with him and his mother and his, and his siblings in this kind of boarding house situation. Yeah. And uh, a very famous story of how Kinski would... Uh, he at one time he locked himself in the bathroom for 48 hours and smashed absolutely everything in there ranted for 48 hours straight uh which i at that point how do you not you know two hours in how are you not calling the cops and putting this guy in a straitjacket but whatever there's a lot of enabling that we are going to have to deal with as we talk about aguirre sure and the relationship but it's just a breakdown of their career dealing with the urban legends and the, the larger-than-life stories about their collaboration. Um, it's on YouTube is how I found oh, okay. it. It's, uh, I'd, I'd seen it before, but it's on YouTube, split into two parts on there. And um, some of it's distressing. And uh, like I said, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I really think that uh, Aguirre and this documentary really go hand-in-hand. Hand. Sure. Uh, uh, especially if you're... A Herzog completionist or want to know more about that relationship it's it's fascinating as all of I think uh and we'll we can revisit this over the course of the episode but I think Herzog is a better documentary filmmaker than he may be a narrative filmmaker sure I mean I I don't have much knowledge right. to say that but, but, yeah. but I, yeah yeah I mean Aguirre feels like a documentary in a way right. and it's yes and that that's rampant through all of his <clears throat> filmmaking anyway my best fiend uh really really fascinating uh there's there's a couple of really just great anecdotes and great stories in there uh like i said some of them we'll get into as we're talking about a gary but one that i really love is the that um herzog says that every gray hair on his head he calls kinski yeah, it, it's it's just it's so weird the way that you, you when you hear these stories and read these old stories the way that that Herzog still talks about him with admiration, uh, which kind of sucks now in retrospect. His uh, daughter, his oldest daughter Pola, uh, in 2013, penned a, a memoir called uh, "From the Mouth of a Child." Uh, where she revealed that she was sexually abused from the ages of five to the age of 18 by by Kinski and her younger sister uh, Natasha who herself went through uh, quite an ordeal in the film industry as well she kind of backed up those claims so Kinski's a piece of shit as we'll discover over the course of this episode and uh, it kind of turns my stomach when I hear somebody like Nicolas Cage say that he wants to be the California Klaus Kinski well I, that just seems like a very idiotic comment anyway it, it is um, anyway so let's uh that's that's a great documentary especially if you want to know more about these two men and their their really stressful working relationship but anyway let's sure. get straight to the heart of this okay. thing Aguirre The Wrath of God written and directed by Werner Herzog um obviously starring Klaus Kinski playing Lobe Diagetti uh I'm gonna have a whole lot of trouble saying these names um and I don't know how many of Okay, whatever. I'm just going to read what I have down here. We have uh, Helena Ro- Rojo as uh, Ines. Ines. Ines, thank you. Uh, Roy Guerra as Don Pedro. Uh, Del Negro as Brother Gaspar. Peter Berling as Don Fernando de Guzman. Um, Cecilia Rive- uh, Rivera as uh, Flores, who is um, Aguirre's daughter. Um, Daniel Addis as Peruco. Perucho. You can you can 
No, 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 yeah. Eddie Bobit. Edward Roland as Akello. Armando Palana as Armando, uh, which is, you know, hey, you know, that's fine. Um, Alejandro Repues as Gonzalo Pizarro. And I have uh, Justo Gonzalez as Gonzalez. That's who I have. I, I don't have anybody to add. Cool. You, 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 you knocked it out of the park. Great. I'm so glad I nailed that. Um, uh, so uh, uh, Herzog has three other movies in the book. Uh, Strosek, which I don't know anything Strosek about. is the most depressing film I've ever seen. Oh, great. In fact, uh, you heard of the band Joy Division? Know anything about Joy Division? They're a post-punk Le- band, Manchester in the late 70s. That was the last film Ian Curtis saw before he killed himself. Oh, Great. So to give you a, an idea of, of the light-hearted nature of that film. I mean, he killed himself for other reasons, but it was the last. Sure. The, the last album he heard was The Idiot by Iggy Pop, and the last film he saw was Strozek. Okay. Um, he also did Nosferatu, Phantom of, the, uh, Phantom of Night, and uh, Fitzcarraldo. Those are the other three in the book. So the last two that I mentioned were uh, other Kinski yes. collaborations. Um, in terms of accolades, not not a, a whole lot. Um, it was nominated for best foreign film at the César Awards, and that's a that's a uh, uh, French film award. The Faroe Island Film Festival. It won the jury prize and lost best film. Uh, I don't know what that festival is, so I don't know what it lost best film to. Um, the French Syndicate of Cinema Critics uh, gave it best film. Uh, the German Film Awards uh, gave it. Um, uh, wait, wait, wait. It won Best Cinematography and it lost Outstanding Feature. It also lost Best Actor. Uh, the, the Cinematography Award at that German Film Festival, it tied with the bitter tears of Petra von Kant, which oh. is a Ballhaus film. And then the National Society of Film Critics, it won Best Cinematography that year. But it, that was in 1970. So we should preface this with, uh, if you lived in the United States, you had to wait five years to see this film. It was oh, originally sh- released at the end of December in 1972 in Germany. If you lived in England, it came out at the end of 74. And then if you lived in the U.S., you had to wait until April of 1977 to see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this movie is not on the IMDb Top 250. It has a 98% uh, critical score and a 91 audience. Roger Ebert loved this movie. Um, so on his great movies list, it was in the top 10. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I, do you mind if I read something? No, please do. Yeah, okay. Go, go, okay. go ahead. Um, so do you have his original review? No, I only have the four star or the, uh, the, the great movies. Review. Okay. I have his original. Oh, we'll go first. I'd love, yeah, I'd okay. love to hear that. Cause I yeah. didn't see that one. Uh, Werner Herzog. So this is from uh, Roger Ebert, February of 1977. Werner Herzog is the most astore of the new German directors, the one most concerned with characters trapped at the extremes of alienation and madness. His films sometimes seem trapped there, too. Films like Fata Morgana, with its images of desolation in the desert, so severe and static they're almost painful to watch. But in 1972, he made a gire about a doomed expedition in South America, and it's one of his most accessible and horrifying works. The final paragraph goes on to say, The final images are the most bizarre and affecting of all. Everyone has been killed except Aguirre and his sister, which is wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's, Aguirre, Aguirre is the only one left alive. Hundreds of little monkeys come aboard the raft and swarm all over it, the meekest citizens of the jungle boldly announcing their victory over the expedition. Aguirre hardly notices them. He stalks back and forth across the deck, now half awash, vowing that he will personally find El Dorado and will conquer it single-handedly. And we'll populate it by marrying his sister again. It's his daughter, and she's dead, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) 
Aguirre, The Wrath of God is an obsessive film about obsession. Kind of repeating. This is this is not his best work. Nah, nah. Uh, because it is more or less based on fact, it is all the more disturbing. Here is what greed and madness can bring human beings to. Herzog's other films sometimes speak unclearly. This one speaks in blunt, unforgiving despair. Um, can I jump right in? Do you mind? Please. Okay. So this is his. This is the four. This the great movies. The, this the is, reevaluation. This, yeah, in '99, he says. The music sets the tone. It is haunting, ecclesiastical, human, and yet something else. It is by Florian Frick, uh, whose pop band Popol View, named for the Mayan creation myth, has contributed the soundtracks to many Herzog films. For this opening sequence, Herzog told me we used a strange instrument which we called a choir organ. It has inside it three dozen different tapes running parallel to each other in other loops. All these tapes are running at the same time, and there is a keyboard on which you can play them like an organ so that it will sound just like a human choir, but yet, at the same time, very artificial and really quite eerie. I emphasize the music because the sound of a Herzog film is origin- is organically part of its effect. His stories begin in a straightforward manner, but their result is incalculable, and there is no telling where they may lead. They conclude not in an ending, but in the creation of a mood within us, a spiritual or visionary feeling. I believe he wants his audience to feel like detached observers standing outside time, saddened by the immensity of the universe as it bears down on the dreams and delusions of man. The reason I wanted to read that part about the music is that if it wasn't for this music, uh, I would think this uh, flaming dog shit pile of a movie should go fuck itself. I had a feeling that was coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I don't like this movie. All right. Before we delve into it, here's here's a question that I'm going to, I think this is going to become a staple. I'm going to try and do this as often as I can. Adam, do you like lists? I, I love lists. I love lists too. Would you like to hear a list? I have some too. Do you have some lists? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so do you have the Empire 100 Best World Cinema list from 2010? Because that's uh, the list I have. Yeah, that it's ranked. Well, okay, you might. I I know it's where it's ranked. I don't have the whole list. I don't have the whole list. Either. I All have right. the top ten. Oh, because well, I thought you might be interested in the top. 10. So I do know that it's. This is number nineteen. Yes, and okay. on either side of it, Old Boy is number eighteen. Uh, e two Mama Tambian is oh, number twenty. Both great movies. Yeah. Both great fucking movies. So here's here's the top ten. Okay. From from ten to so this list was probably we've talked about Empire before. Great. I'm going to try magazine. to give just one word responses. Okay. Okay. So starting at number 10, yeah. Spirited Away. Eh. Wages of Fear. Okay. The Seventh Seal. Okay. City of God. Okay. Battle of the Algiers. I haven't seen it. Neither have I. Pan's Labyrinth. Okay. Bicycle Thieves. Haven't seen it. Battleship Potemkin. Haven't seen it. Amelie. Okay. And Seven Samurai at number Great. one. I'm okay. You haven't seen Battleship Potemkin? No. Ooh, that's it. That's great cinema. I, I, I know, I know. But you have a list. Uh, well, and again, so I, the other things I saw was that um, uh, Time Magazine did a, uh, the all-time 100 best films compiled by Richard Scheichel and Richard Corliss, um, and it was named the 46th uh, best film. Oh, wait, no. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not right. It, it made the, the 100 all-time. Uh, Entertainment Weekly named it the 46th greatest cult film ever made. Um, and then I also had the one from where it ranked number 19. Yeah. 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 So this flaming dog shit pile of a film. Yeah. Would you like to do the synopsis or would you like me to? Um, 
uh, Aguirre is a part of this expedition that has slaves, and they are trying to find El Dorado. At one point, they they reach a, a, a they can't they all can't continue on because the caravan is too large. There, yeah, yeah. So they they basically send like a convoy down on three rickety rafts um, to uh, to keep going. And but they like they, they if they they can't get where they need to go, they need to come back in seven days, or the or the the bulk of the expedition is going to leave them behind. Um, one raft gets stuck and ultimately everybody on it dies. And we essentially watch Aguirre kind of stage a coup in a, in a, in a way. Um, the, the leader is sort of ousted and Aguirre puts up this sort of fat idiot guy to be the emperor. Um, uh, they continue on their journey. Um, a lot of people die. A lot of people make stupid decisions. And um, there's a lot of very racist shit that gets done and said that I, I hate. And um, there's a fucking horse on a raft. And um, yeah, that's what I got to say about it. Eventually, yes, everybody succumbs to madness, illness. And you're gonna need death. to. You're gonna need to lead us through this. Right. This movie, I, because, I got you. Because this movie, I I cannot tell you how excited I was to watch this movie, and how because you've never you've never seen down. a Herzog. Yeah. 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 yeah, so this was well, no. My- I had seen Grizz. I watched Grizzly Man first. Oh, okay, all right. It's so so knowing what I like because I liked Grizzly Man, and like I respect Ebert. And while I feel like his top ten is more of like a, it seems like these are the the, the films that should be on the list. I we talked about that. Yeah. I think during Raging Bull, but maybe. I still respect it as a list. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be good. Varying degrees of where I'm going to like it, sure. But I expected to like this movie. I think it's fucking awful. Sorry. No, no, hey, that's that's why we're here, man. We're here to hash this shit out. So, do you want to start with what with pre-production? Do you want to start with the, so this the movie is, itself? This or? is uh, Herzog's third theatrical film. He had made some other shorts as well. So, I think it was his sixth overall. Um, there's a great story uh, that he tells about the uh, how he wrote it. Well, one how he wrote it, and then the camera. Oh yeah. Yeah, the camera is stolen. Yep, from a film school, right? From a film school, and he feels justified in the theft of it because, you know, I here, hang on, I have the... It was a very simple 35mm camera, this is Herzog speaking. Yeah. One that I used on many other films, so I do not consider it a theft. For me, it was truly a necessity. I wanted to make films and needed a camera. I had some sort of natural right to this tool. If you need air to breathe and you are locked in a room, you have to take a chisel and hammer and break down a wall. It is your absolute right cool so 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 if you want to make a movie just steal a camera go still go steal some shit and make it yeah you know ridley scott did something similar but i won't i won't throw us off on that tangent i just like so here's this is this i think says so much about this movie in a way and this isn't even really a klaus kinski thing so let me let me just read so uh, all of the actors spoke their their dialogue in english because the members of the cast and crew came from 16 different countries, and English was the only common language among them. In addition, Herzog felt that shooting Aguirre in English would improve the film's chances for international distribution. However, the small amount of money that he had set aside for post-synchronization left, quote, left Peru with the man in charge of the process, both absconded en route. The English-language track was ultimately replaced by a higher-quality German-language version, which post-synced after production was completed. Her, well, and then it says Herzog claims that Kinsk, that uh, Kinski requested too much money for the dubbing, and his so his lines were performed by another actor. That should tell you everything about this movie, 
and how shitty the process was to make it, how shitty the process was to, to complete it, and just how ridiculous the whole thing is in general. Oh my God, I can't you're, even. You're having a, a crisis of sorts. I'm fuming over here. This should not be considered one of the best movies ever made. And yet it is. Yeah, which is just it is obscene. So massively respected. And I don't. I, and, I, and I think I struggle with this. Uh, okay. I genuinely I, struggle I, I, with this. In all, and, 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 and in all sincerity, I, I want to hear why. I want to hear your struggle. Okay, so let's. We're not going to go beat by beat, but let's let's start at the beginning. Yes, which so, is promising. Oh my God, starts so promising. Well, no, even before that, so he's he's got his stolen oh. camera, he's made a couple of movies, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he's out there in South America. He's he's borrowed a book from somebody. It's got a half a page on Don Lupe Aguirre, and it's inspired him to write this thing. Now he's touring around with his football team yes. that he's a part of. And he's writing this thing. He claims to have written it in two and a half. There's a lot about Herzog that has been... The, the man, the myth, the legend. The, the man, the yeah. myth. Yeah, exactly. Um, but supposedly one of the guys on the Today Just won. They're all drunk. They're on the bus. Some guy vomits into his typewriter, destroying a bunch of pages that he's written. He tosses them out the window, and then he can't remember what he wrote. And so yeah. he's like, all right, start over. Fuck it. Whatever. Um, and then they actually they go. They secure the money. They get uh, $375,000 or something like that. Uh, a third of that, by the way, went to Kinski. Yes. Which is fucking insane. Oh, it's all there on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> right? Anyway, so they're there. They're in South America. The opening shot of this film is one of the most beautiful things ever committed to film. It's great. Ever. So they talk. It's... Uh, it opens with a small epilogue. Uh, the whole film, we get the feeling, is going to be told from the point of view of um, Brother Gaspar. Yes. And yeah. it's actually, some of the, the writing is based on his actual diaries. Mm -hmm. It's Christmas 1560. Yep. And we're, we're getting this story told from the perspective of the priest. There's this massive caravan. It's in the days of conquering the new world. The conquistador is there to find riches and expand the empire of Spain and Portugal and they're searching for the lost city of El Dorado that the the natives have made up you know to, to distract them from their yeah raping and pillaging and whatever these conquistadors are doing and they descend out of the mountains out of the clouds it seems yeah you know these these beings that don't belong here these these men from another land and there's this beautiful caravan working its way down it's it's one of the most incredible well, things i've ever seen and the music the as music well. I was like, the, the, it's all working together it's ethereal for it's like, like it's like something otherworldly three minutes it's golden yeah it's yeah. amazing it's one of the most beautiful things ever shot it's great I, I i i i can admit that and then the movie no i'm with you the movie immediately descends into madness yes which these characters are going to descend into madness but the movie should do the same. We should. It's just. It's a mess, almost immediately. This is this is becoming a common common theme with certain movies on here. But like, I don't know any of these people. I, I who do so, I? Yeah, they're they're hard to latch onto. I mean, there some of them are historical figures, and so we can. But who do I? Who do I care about? Whose side am I on? Right. What 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 do I want to see happen? Yeah, because I mean, they're 
they're not likable. These these conquistadors, they're there taking something that isn't theirs, and they're oppressing people. And we're not. How do we sympathize with them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I I get all that. That's all very fair. I wish Kinski's performance wasn't so good. Oh, continue on. No, there's a. There's, I I don't want to jump. I I don't I don't necessarily need to go beat for beat, but. No, I mean, I, I, sorry. Do you want me to explain? Yeah. Because I don't think he's good in this movie. No, no, I got that. Oh, okay. From you asking me oh, to, okay. Great. to clarify. Okay. It is a it is a good performance because of I I think the intensity. I genuinely believe the the hatred in this man because he he talks about how he is the great mutineer. There's no there's no one that's ever staged a mutiny as good as him. And I. So I say it's a good performance because I believe it. I believe the madness. I believe the spitefulness, and I believe the hatred. And there is no one. Well, I shouldn't say no one, but very few people had a stare like Kinski's that bored so deep inside you with so much hatred. And the the the, the scene that I'm thinking about when I'm talking about this is after they've done the raid on the cannibal village that they burnt to the ground, and he talks about how anybody who eats more than they have been rationed will be cut into 198 pieces and stepped upon and crushed until there's nothing left except for which they can paint the walls with. Okay. Yeah. I... It's the believability of the performance. See, and I that's just the thing is I don't believe it. I, I, I don't, and I... Part of it is because I don't understand his motivations. And then I get at the end, I when my note is <laughs> said, I, the wrath of God, will marry my own my own daughter and start a dynasty, blah, 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 blah. Those are my notes. Blah, 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 blah. Because I'm like, I don't cool. And I and I, I think this has become like a PhD thesis type movie where Ebert and a lot of other people are gonna like you know oh he's but like he he's 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 gone mad and and he's he's driven and he's he's you know look at what he's gonna do and he and we've 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 gone into the depths of the jungle what's the depths of this madness and we're gonna find all these symbolic things to say about this movie and I don't think they're I think we're putting them on there I I, I wonder how much Herzog actively put into this movie that way because I, I don't I don't I think we're putting a lot on top of it. Then I don't think is is really there, and the, the other part of it too is that being a crazy person doesn't make you a good actor. I realize that's not what you're saying, but like no, because I I don't have any respect for Kinski as a person or an actor. I think this is a good performance, but he is a fucking piece of shit, and I, I'm glad he's dead. So g- cool, great. I yes, I. I don't. I, I. I obviously a lot of that in, I learned in, today. In especially the the light in light of what his daughter yes, published. Yes. Like fuck him. So fuck him. Yes. Yeah. But I don't. I don't even. I don't think this is a good performance. Like, and I. I get. And I. I. He does have piercing eyes. He does. It's. That's. It's a very unique quality that way. It's unnerving. Yeah, but. And Herzog talks about another thing he did. One of the only complimentary things that I can say about Kinski is, and he did it in in a lot of his movies, is he would stand next to the camera and then he would pivot on one foot into frame in a very slow, deliberate manner. I kind of like that. I kind of like that way to enter a frame. And Herzog talks about it being kind of unnerving and 
and just just a unique way to to enter a scene and i so i'm going to get the only the only couple of good things that i have to say about king c there they are they're on the table now we can talk about how much of a piece of shit he is and and what a terror he was on set but it's like i i i like unique performances and i i, I feel bad i'm not going to remember the, the name of the actor but the guy in holy motors mm, yeah incredible yeah incredible performance it's it's unique it's not it's not uh linear in thought it doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense but it is captivating and compelling well and he has a massive burden to not just carry a movie but there's like how many there's like 12 or 13 different vignettes yeah and so he's yeah. got to carry every one of them and i realize that's a different challenge and it's not fair to compare it in that way because obviously aguirre is or, uh, but he is a be- but he is a better actor than kinski i but think there's, is just, what something, you're there's just something yeah there's just something about it and and granted i haven't seen klaus kinski in anything you have i have oh that's right he's uh, the hunchback in uh for a few dollars more that eastwood strikes the match on. yeah yeah so so wildly impressed by him in that yeah exactly um but I just I can't I can't buy you know I and I've I've it's been limited thank God but I've worked with actors who sort of put everybody else's safety and inclination and choices way after their own and it's about what they want to do and this is a this is a movie to me and a performance where it's like it's about I, it's about me I'm putting my stuff forward and th- that reads to me on screen. Oh no, absolutely. And, and I I just I don't there's nothing about it that seems collaborative or 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 even really entertaining or, or like and I I get like um like okay, this is my weird comparison. But like Denzel sometimes he's just Denzel in a movie, right? But I don't give a shit. That's cool. That's part got, that's got, that's part of why you're there. We got Denzel in the movie. Yeah. But like Denzel, I don't. Uh, maybe now, now I think I'm just going by preferences. But like Denzel is is captivating. Like I don't mind if it's just him. If that's Klaus Kinski, that I don't. That I, that's not good. Like I don't. I don't find. I don't find him charismatic. I don't well, find I think, him charming. I don't find him. Yeah, you're, you're you're. Denzel's putting asses in seats because he's charming and extremely talented and can disappear inside his characters when he wants to. And Kinski put asses in seats just because. It, it was a sideshow. Let's see how crazy this fuck can get. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I think I've, I've now at the, you know, I'm, cause I, what's great is that like, you know, as we do this podcast, it's an ongoing investigation into film. And we're, as we go through, we're, we're advancing our own film knowledge, film reference, and, and we're making more solid points on kind of how we view cinema and, and what, what strikes a chord with us. And, Unless Kinski falls into another movie that we happen to be talking about because it's in the book, I have no interest in seeking him out as an actor. I'm not. I'm not interested in seeing his oh, work. And that, that's fair. And 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 that has nothing to do with the personal stuff that I've again I've just been brought to light about. I don't think he's good. I don't think this. I, I know I've said I don't think this movie is good, but I know I'm going to hear about that. This is the struggle, the strive to. To, I don't. I, I can't even put it. I was into just. Words. Gonna, I was about to say all those things. Yet, regardless of how we feel about Kinski, I don't know that we should punish the rest of the people in the film for him being a fucking asshole. But okay, and, and the, the immense yes, as you were going down that road, the immense struggle that it took to make this film, the the dangerous circumstances. Like you talked about Apocalypse Now being a dangerous set. How do you feel about that now after having seen this? 
Oh, okay. So now I have two things to say to that. Thank you for bringing that up. One, okay, strenuous. I get it. At least everybody on Apocalypse Now seemed to be working together versus this, which seemed to be very argumentative and contentious at times. The other thing I was going to say is, what is it about movies having shitty film sets that make them classics? What, what, that does not, a movie shouldn't have, have to have a shitty process and story in which it got made to make it a good movie. And I, again, I, I agree realize, with you. That's a broad generalization. I know, and I agree with you. That's that's horseshit. Like, yeah. we have all this stuff about how fucking Kinski apparently shot off somebody's fucking finger and, like, almost left the set. And in and, the documentary, he uh, they uh, Herzog revisits a guy that he almost killed with the, the scene where he brings the sword down on his helmet. He's got a massive scar on yeah. his head. Yeah. And like apparently there was a one of the caravans almost fell and Herzog's literal hand had to come in to keep it from falling. It goes without the, saying. The, 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 the worst thing, those aren't even the worst aspects of, of Kinski. The, the, the worst aspect is his, his egomania and how he always had to be the center of attention. Herzog recounts a story in the documentary, uh, My Best Fiend, about how there was a guy, because they had to hack their way through all sorts of craziness in the jungle and things like that to get to where they needed to be. Uh, And there was a guy with a chainsaw, and there was this very, very venomous snake that usually doesn't fuck with people because it gets, you know, it's afraid of of movements and afraid of uh, the sound of chainsaws and people working and things like that. It usually doesn't bother people anyway. This snake bit this guy on the foot. And uh, you'll go into cardiac arrest in minutes. That's how fast the venom in the snake works. And the guy put the chainsaw down, thought about it for 30 seconds, picked up the chainsaw, and hacked his own foot off. Because the medicine in the camp was 20 minutes away, and he didn't have 20 minutes. Now, Herzog, uh, now Kinski hears about that, and he flies into a rage about something meaningless and minuscule like his coffee was lukewarm or... Or in Fitzcarraldo, there was a thing where he had to, he traveled to the set. Oh, no, it was on Nosferatu. He was the, they shot it in the summer and he wasn't happy about having to travel in a car that was heated in his full make and things like he would, he always had to be the center of attention. And yeah, that's shitty. And we shouldn't congratulate him or necessarily his performance, but we shouldn't punish the other people because of that. No. And I don't think that's what you were saying. No, that's necessarily. Not what I was saying. No. But No, no, I was thinking more thematically. Yes. Like the, the, going back to this like the what the scholarly approach to this movie is, you know, when you talk about Ebert mentioned madness and solitude and and um it, it just it What what I think maybe I'm not understanding. Are you saying this movie is dog shit just because of Kinski? No, I'm saying this dog shit the movie is dog shit all around. Okay. Yeah. All around. I don't, I don't. I think Kinski is not good. I don't. It seemed like these were community theater actors or not actors at all that were hired to be in the movie. I don't like the dialogue. Um, there's. Hold on. Let me. I want to make sure I got this right. If they're terrified of a horse, they will be terrified of a black man. Jesus Christ. Like. But again, this goes back to, to Yankee Doodle Dandy. But I find this different. I find this different because. This movie was, and I'm not excusing it. No, 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 no. I, I, I know that, but I, the, the difference, I guess, is that that movie was was also written way back when. And tell me, I guess, tell me how this that line is pivotal to the the storytelling 
Or oh, and stripping the the black man naked and making him run out in front of them when they raid the village. Yeah. Next next thing I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. um, that is regrettable. It, it, I I just it doesn't. Oh man, I... and has this has this savage ever heard of our Savior Jesus Christ? Yeah, so that that happens a little bit later after they've. I believe is that before or after they raid the village? It's 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 right after. Yeah. So there's yeah. a there's a boat floating by. It's got a, a couple of natives in it. They pull them on board, and the priest shows them the Bible, and has one of the translators tell him it's the word of God. He puts it to his ear. I think this is a fantastic moment. I think this is one of the best moments in the movie. It's fucked up, but I think it's 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 period correct. I think I would imagine. He puts the Bible to his ear because it's the word of God. Yeah. And he says the book doesn't say anything and they immediately kill him for blasphemy. Yeah. And he says these savages are impossible to convert. And see, I, I love I love exposing the closed mindedness of trying to spread religion there. I think that moment has something bigger to say. See, and and I think. Can, I think it's one of the only moments that has anything bigger to say. Well, but I, I like the way that you were there. I, I think this moment has something bigger to say. But it doesn't really say it. Well, well it does if you connect the dots. Sh- sure. But I also feel like... So is, is this what the movie's about? Or are we just pointing out something that was really fucked up that happened back then? And, like, and, and, and that's the thing is, is I, don't, I don't know what this movie's about. And I realize it doesn't have to be spoon-fed to me either. That it's up for that I can I can have a say in that what this movie is about. But if I'm if I'm if I come to the end and I'm left thinking, well, this movie is about one man's greed and the depths he'll go to to pursue what he wants, then I don't care about this particular version of it. I don't find it entertaining. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna follow a guy with, you know, ill uh, with, with um, you know, mental issues and 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 believing that he is not God, but essentially an aspect of God. Um, and, and really believing that he can, he can do whatever he wants. I want to see a more compelling story behind it. And, and I think the, I think the actual filmmaking is not good. And like, and then there are moments like, um, Oh yeah. There's a moment where I think, I think there, there, most of the people have already, have already died and there's a moment where the camera focuses on a, like a mouse and like her little like little babies and a guy with a butterfly on his hand. Why? And to me that that feels like one of those like oh it looks cool. I I I I caught this. I was able to catch this moment as we're actually out here doing it. But then there's no context for it. The the movie is made up of of moments like that and Which, catching it and that's that's in my notes as well. This movie is is made up of what they could get. Sure, but I I feel that in the movie. I'm not saying it's a good movie because of that. That's just an observation. No, no, I no, I I I I agree. I just I don't. I just I can't I can't figure it. And then and then there's and then it turns to other things where it's like there's a, there's a line where it says that man is a head taller than me. That may change, and then they lop his head off. Which, that feels like it's out of a different movie. Oh, and then the the countdown and the, he cuts off the head. The head goes oh, flying. Oh, he finishes lands. counting with the head off. Yeah. Where are we now? Now, what movie are we in? Yeah. I have a, I have a headache talking about this movie. And you're not wrong on any of those accounts. I don't know what else you want me to say about I'm, it. You're already you're preaching to the converted. I'm not. 
I'm not arguing any of these points. No, no, I just I I I mean, and honestly, I struggle. What I struggle with is the scholarly aspects of it that you that we'd mentioned briefly earlier. The way that people study this film. Yeah, it is a it is a representation of a descent into madness. I think it's as I mentioned earlier. I think it's a good performance because I think Kinski was made for this role. Uh, you know, if you're if you're gonna have this kind of egomaniacal, egomaniacal type of of character who's gonna mutiny and and thinks he is the wrath of God, well, who better to play him than somebody who genuinely believed that he was akin to Jesus Christ? Yeah. I mean, I. But I, it it no, it's 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 not a good movie. I mean, it's it is shit masquerading as art. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Yeah. I don't I to be to be fair, I don't have a favorite scene. But it, it but it is the, the this is my struggle is it is there are good moments in it. I love the ship in the tree which is part of a bigger scene that they they ended up not being able to do because they were also in the expedition they were supposed to have been looking for an expedition that went ahead earlier and they were going to search the ship, climb the tree and search the ship. Uh, what it's doing up there, who the fuck knows? But I love the hallucinatory aspect of that. Um, my unsung hero is the actress Helena Rojo, who plays Inez. She has she has a lot of uh, work that she has to do as she sits there and watches uh, watches Ursula, her because uh, she's his mistress, yeah. as as he is uh, usurped, and she has to just quietly sit by and watch all of this happen. I love the moment after they raid the cannibal village where she just gives up. That is my favorite shot where it's her walking towards the camera and then she walks past and just gives up and walks into the jungle because what's the point going on? Yeah. This is only going to end one way, so why belabor the point? My unsung hero is Popol View. No. I fucking love this score. The, the score's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah. It, it, every once in a while, I'd come back in, I'd be like, I'd close my eyes and just listen to it. Yeah. I'm like, that's good. Yeah. That's nice music. I, I enjoy that. Uh, I just wish it was maybe put in a better film. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there are, you can see, I think, the strains of what they were attempting to do. I think they were hampered by a lack of resources and a lack of control and obviously having to deal with Kinski. If we consider what we expect of historical epics, it's garbage. But I'm not. I mean, there there is an interesting story here. I mean, I'm interested. I would I would love to see a good, a better film made about the search for El Dorado, told from this point of view, and sure. then they're usurped by a Gary, who was. I mean, there there are elements of truth in here. There's a lot that's anachronistic, like that path they're walking down at the beginning wasn't discovered until the 1910s, yeah. and then the the costumes are obviously they're not period. Some of them and. So there is a good story here, and I can see flashes of what Herzog intended to do. But because of all the reasons I just listed just a moment ago, yeah, yeah. it's it. I mean, I, I agree, I agree with you, but I I also I, it's not like I'm I'm comparing this to uh, a, a, any other kind of historical epic. You know, there's no I'm not trying to make like this movie isn't good as compared to this movie or that movie. This movie isn't good. Period. Um, and I know, I mean, it's been, I think we're a little bit removed from it now, but like, I know I didn't say a lot of great things about Raging Bull or Straw Dogs, but Jesus Christ, next to this, those movies are 
wonderful. Yeah. Great pieces of cinema that have something to say. And while I might not like them overall enough to say they should be in the book, Jesus Christ. I mean, oh, I, this is just not good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we didn't even mention the animal cruelty in this film. Oh, God. Everywhere. Yeah. In the scene where he gets furious, and I don't know if he hits the horse, but he... I, I, dude, I have a note in here in all caps. I go, did he just punch that horse? Yeah, <laughs> that's a note I have. That's a note I have in a movie that we watched. Did yeah. he punch the horse? Oh, and then when he throws the monkey. Hey, I got a question for you. How much pan flute is too much pan flute? Because I think this movie found too much pan flute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's I. My note says play that same song. Oh my god! <laughs> play that same song. Same song. You got it. Yeah. Boop 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 doo 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 doo. Okay. Um, well, that 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 and again, that music isn't period either. It's just yeah. It's I. What I appreciate about the, what I I struggle with, and what we've been dancing around, I think, is that, that you know how you feel about this film. Yeah. And you've been wondering what it is I struggle with with it is that I see what Herzog was going for. I, I I know what his intentions were, and I think he was thwarted every step of the way. And that's not to say he's a victim, because what I wanted to come back around to was how everybody enabled Kinski. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I think Herzog is just as much to blame as anybody. Yeah. You know, he, he let this behavior continue. Like, he fucking... Kinski should have been in jail for the rest of his life. I mean, I haven't even delved into some of the other anecdotal stuff that they talk about in My Best Fiend or or the history of uh, his, his just history in general, the fact that he lied about, you know, his wartime experiences and how he uh, strangled this, this person that he was in love with, apparently, and that's what put him in the psychiatric ward for three days. Like, he was stalking this person and then strangled them and, like, yeah, all this other shit. I don't know how he was allowed to get away with how how he how people let him get away with this for so long and why he was considered a great artist. I say it's a good performance because I think he's so suited to the role and the other reasons like his intensity and and his stare. I mean, it, I think it takes away from the performance the fact that it's not his own voice. Yeah, that I that that's true too. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see the original English language track. I don't know if it still exists. It probably does not. Probably does not because but. this film was not made very well. Yes. Dude, I don't think it should be in the book. No, that's all good. And I thought, so when I knew that immediately, and I go, okay, what's my replacement? And I got it. Really easy. Uh, another movie about a man kind of on a mission um, that they just took out of the book. I didn't know Blake. Put it back in because fuck this book and fuck this movie. What about you? I'm going to piggyback on that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Woo! Because I didn't prepare anything. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe maybe I just like a, a more clear-cut story about a genuinely good person. I don't know. I, I don't mind movies about bad guys. I really don't. But I don't know what the fuck Aguirre was about. I don't care. Put a Daniel Blake back in. Hey, how are you feeling? Are you feeling good about this? Did we did we accomplish what we needed to accomplish? Did we trash? I Dude, I didn't. And I just want to say, I again, I wanted to like this movie. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. I, and easily, the biggest letdown of the podcast so far, this movie. 
See, I can't, I can't say that because I do have Herzog, and I. What worries me is this is going to put you off of Herzog. No, when we, dude, when we get to something else, because Herzog is is a good filmmaker. It's just, I think his documentaries are better than his narrative features. His do, some of his documentaries are incredible and just really eye-opening yeah he's got a very unique way of looking at the world his antarctica documentary is one of the best documentaries i've ever seen um he's he's like a von trier or uh, a gaspar no for me he fascinates me and i can't put my finger exactly on why it is that he fascinates me but he's a provocateur and i really appreciate that and i you know and that's i i like being pushed too, I, 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 and I, I agree with you. Like, I can't say I like, I'd like Lars von Trier movies, but I certainly, I find more to engage with in them. There's more. I think there's more to deal with, and maybe it's that's the, the, the more surrealist nature of of his movies. You know, they're not really straightforward. There's a lot, there's a, a lot kind of left up to you to fill in. But like, I don't know if von I, Trier would cop to this, but I definitely think he's a student of Herzog. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I, but the, the problem is that like this movie is too. It's too linear. It makes too much sense, and yet doesn't make sense. I think that's the biggest problem. Is it? It. it this is a straightforward story that just doesn't make any sense. Do you see? Do you see any potential in it? Did, it, did, did you see what? Like what I was. What I was saying earlier is I see what his intentions were. I. I yes. And I, he I, was I, fucked over by. Everything, yes. even himself, at some points. Yes, and I agreed what you said earlier about I think this could like could be made into a better movie, like like the uh, the idea. But the problem is that like this being in the book for its potential doesn't jive with me. No, yeah. no, and I agree with that. Yeah. Well, that's what we, we think about Aguirre. Um, we I'm fascinated to know what other people think about this movie. Um, so this please, episode went from zero to sixty real quick, man. <laughs> So please hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter and trash our opinions on Aguirre. I, I look forward to it. Um, you can support the show at patreon.com slash 1001 by one. You can listen to our show on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podomatic, places places where podcasts are. Um, uh, and uh, please stay tuned next week where we will uh, be giving you our, our Oscar reactions and also uh, films to look forward to in 2020. Be some good shit on there. So until then, I am Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you next week. Bye.